This is the Get A Life Podcast, X-Cult Conversations. Welcome to another episode of Get A Life Podcast. We are joined by Cheryl and Abby, and our special guest today is Emily, who is going to tell us her story about her interactions with someone from inside the PBCC who was, um, she was essentially dating. Um, so I'll hand over now to Emily to tell us her story. Welcome, Emily. Thank you. So um, I was working for a PBCC company. Um, I started in January and I met this boy and we quickly became friends. And he started telling me about what life was like um, in the PBCC. Um, eventually, we started dating each other. And it was like pretty casual at first until he got to the point that he said like, hey, actually for the right girl, I would consider leaving. And that kind of changed the dynamic of our relationship and and made it a lot more serious. Um, So um, we started discussing like how he could leave and, you know, that he would move in with me, things like that. Um. And then eventually his priest got suspicious about us. I ended up getting sacked from my job. Um, They called him into a meeting and he said that he wanted to leave and they convinced him not to. And he sent me a letter breaking up with me and blocked me on the spot. Um, So that was over. And then for the next six to nine months, we um stayed in contact um so he would block me one day and then unblock me the next um he would say i really want to come out i want to be with you i love you and then he'd have a meeting with with his priest again and he'd say i need to get right you're wrong i can't be with you i need to do right by my community he'd block me again um and then we met up again eventually um and he got shut up for that he got shut up for four months in total and then when he got back in he told me and from then we spoke kind of sporadically and um ended a few months ago so how serious did it get like when you were dating how how serious were you guys I'd say we we were really serious. Um, so, I mean, we worked together. We sat next to each other. So we'd spend all day with each other. Um, even at work, we would keep texting each other. And then when we finished work, he would wait for his family to fall asleep. And then he would drive to come see me and spend all night with me and go back to work without having slept at all. And we obviously spoke about um, him moving in with me once he had left um the brethren so yeah he he was quite keen on the idea of marrying me as well and at this point all along he was planning on leaving had you had the sub was the subject ever brought up maybe about you joining them um so him leaving come up on his own I didn't want to like influence him because I knew it was a huge decision that come from him and I kind of went along with that once I knew he was sure 
um in respect for me joining that was at the point when we had got caught and it was obvious he didn't have the strength to leave and I thought to myself well how can I ask you to leave for me if I'm not willing to join for you so I said like well you know should I try and he wanted me to and he kind of coached me on how to get in contact with the elders what to say in any of the meetings and the communication in the hopes that I would be able to go in and then marry him and did you get a hold of that did you get a hold of the elders the priest did they ever contact you or did you ever get in contact with them yeah I did so um at this point I had been sacked from my job and luckily the CEO of the company I worked for was also an elder for the church so I emailed him as if I was talking about a work-related thing and then once I got a hold of him on the phone is when I said hey I want to join um so that continued with a lot of back and forth of me chasing him sending him whatsapps all the time um he kind of fogged me off a lot but eventually it did lead to us meeting in person and what was that meeting like so interesting to like hear what it would be like as an outsider trying to get in because it's unheard of right like you don't hear of people joining ever right i mean even though that they state that they are a mainstream Christian church, they are a very closed cult that, I mean, you would probably have to jump over a lot of hurdles, I would imagine, to try and get in. What was that like for you? Yeah, so um, I I could tell. um, So when I met with them, it was two elders and um, just me. I could tell that they were very shocked that I wanted to, and they were very careful in, in what they were um, saying I could tell they didn't want to slip up and say the wrong thing um, but ultimately they were quite condescending and rude to me they definitely spoke down to me um, and looked down on me as well and I just got this overall sense that they were quite annoyed that they've had to take time out of their precious day to talk to this you know silly girl that wants to join and it was very much a how can we get rid of her as soon as possible so we don't have to do this again yeah what kind of things did they say where it made you feel like they were talking down to you um so they asked me like where i was from and what my family life was like and when i was sort of explaining that um one of the elders kept sort of like laughing to himself or smirking and um as well he asked me if i knew my bible and i said no you know i'm new to reading it and he did actually laugh at me and just thought i think he said oh figures um but yeah just (sighs) they kept sharing looks amongst each other and it was i there was just a vibe that i really wasn't welcome yeah, you'd have long- been the laughing stock, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. How long was how long did you get to actually sit with them? Um, it was about thirty minutes. Um, I I was yeah. late to the to the meeting, um, so they really tried to rush me because um, it wasn't going to be long after that people would have um, met at the church. So I think they wanted me gone before everyone started to come in um, for their worship that day. So your meeting was done at the meeting hall? 
No, it was done at the company, but oh, okay. uh, the meeting hall, hall was next door. Oh, I see. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Did you believe, like, was there a part of you that believed that you'd be able to get into this church? I think deep down, I knew that I wasn't going to, but I was trying to convince myself that I could do it. And I was so passionate about it. And I didn't care what anyone said. Like, you know, Gilly really tried to convince me not to. And I was like, I don't care. I'm doing this. <laughs> I don't care about what anyone says. But after that meeting, it's when when I knew, like, there's no way I'm getting into this. Do you think that... Um looking back do you think it was a bit cruel of the guy that you were dating to give you some inkling that you may join do you think it was a bit cruel of him I I think he generally thought I could join okay. I I don't think he he knew well he doesn't know what it is actually like and he's very kind of he thinks it's you know a great place to kind of be and and he doesn't know what goes on on the outside of it. So I, I think he generally thought I could. Yeah, it's quite naive because in, you know, the past, what, 100 years, probably, the only way that you can actually get in there is either if you're born into it or if someone like my mum, she left the brethren, married my dad, and then she wants to come back that's the only way my dad could actually come in like I only know of a handful of cases in the last you know 20 25 30 years that that's actually happened but I could count on one hand so there was um someone that a brethren that um worked at this company that he done the same he left married a girl who actually also worked there and then come back with her. And I think they had a few kids. So um, this boy I was dating had spoken to him. So I thought it kind of felt like he thought, oh, it'll be easy because this yeah, person. Yeah. yeah. And that's how I, that's how I'm like, I'm hearing this is that this boy that you were dating because love does crazy things, right? It does. Like and when you, when your heart yearns for someone, you're going to do anything and you're going to believe anything to be able to be together with that person. So I could see how he would hope. And if he's reached out to someone that was able to do it, right, I could see how he would have had that belief. And, you know, honestly, if any of these people that are in there and they're reading the articles that are being printed or they're keep keeping up to date with what's happening out here, they are very firm on the fact that they're this mainstream Christian church and that they're, they are not this closed exclusive, exclusive sect that we are all painting them to be, right? So I could see how there would be this part of him that would feel maybe something's changed. Maybe this could happen, right? It just really goes to show you, though, the paint, the picture that they paint themselves in articles and in reporters' eyes and in the eyes of um, their interactions that they have in the public does not match something like what you're talking about, right? And that's the sad situation because if it was a mainstream Christian church, there would have been no problem with you joining and marrying the love of your life. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I do remember having a few conversations like with this boy and him sort of 
like trying to sell it to me of like yeah you know it's great it's a community everyone loves each other we're all there for each other you know we have a charity we do charity work and you know (laughs) my dad's such a good guy you know we we pick up people that need lifts and you know he's so great and it's like you really don't know anything do you they're so naive bless them but the whole marriage thing you know as a as a church like we go to a a church now and marriage is actually a godly thing so for them to even reject the fact that you wanted to marry him like they're actually rejecting something that's that's godly Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, with the elders, I only met with them the once, so I didn't have the opportunity to to say that me and and this boy were dating. Um, we didn't really get to that point, and I I don't know if it really would have made much odds if I had said that. But at that point, he was convinced that we should have hidden the fact that we wanted to be together. Um, I think he was kind of convinced that if I did get in, then if they knew I had the intention of being with him, they would kind of punish us and wouldn't allow us ever to be together. So it had Mm. to be hidden until I was in. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. Come back to your, um, your comment about you'd obviously based it on, or he based it on someone else's experience. Um, And obviously I know we had quite a lot of conversations about this at the time, but it was, um, I think if I'm right in saying that one of the the person that you were basing on was from someone that was of, um, should we say, a higher-ranking family. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it just it just highlights like the difference, the difference where the different ways people are treated depending on what their surname is and what their status is in there. Um, because essentially, you were in exactly the same situation. But it, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't even entertained. Yeah, so there, there was a point where we were talking about him leaving, us getting married and then joining together. And he was really scared. He was like, look, I'm just, I'm not a good enough person in there. They won't want me back if I leave. And that's a huge risk for us to take. And he was also pretty convinced that our marriage wouldn't mean anything to them unless we had children and he was like i don't want to just have a kid just to bring you in like that's not fair and that's not something i was willing to do either so we kind of just left that conversation there so i'm gathering that he was not high up in the hierarchy in there he was more of one of the lower down families yeah that's right hmm very much so wow which is which is, you know, it's it just it's just so sad that someone else with a better surname will get a, a far better treatment and a their their situation looked at more uh, positively, um, just just purely because of what their surname is and who their parents are and how rich they are. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I am. Um... I remember him saying, this is when we were like just friends, he was saying that he felt like he would never be able to find anyone or get married because he said his eldest brother was like the golden boy in the family and he really struggles. Um, He struggled to get married and he was like, you know, I've messed up already. You know, I've already been in trouble. No one is going to want to marry me. Like my life is over in here. And he especially 
felt that after he had been shut up because he was like, you know, I'm dirty now. I've been touched by a worldly. There's no way I'll ever find love. That's it now. That's so sad. I I want to, I got to go back to the priests again, because to me, the priest's visit was a pivotal decision. It's to me, it was the make or break in all of this, whether he was able to leave because they would have convinced him, right? I mean, we already know that the priests were, uh, you know, caught onto the situation and were convincing him to let you go. But to me, the priests were the actual fulcrum of what was going to happen in this situation. Do you think at any moment, like I know that you said that you felt that they talked down to you, but do you think, was there any moment in there where they, you felt that they sincerely were listening to you? Or do you think they just wrote this all off as a joke? It's hard to say because one of the elders, the one who was the CEO, I knew him like a little bit. He was a lot nicer to me. And I don't know if it was a case of like good cop, bad cop situation, yeah. but he he did compliment me a few times. He said it was really rare to see someone that, you know, had turned to Christ and that my devotion was very admirable. And he was like, you know, keep at it. It is very inspiring to see someone so young, um, you know, have this love of God. And I feel like that felt genuine to me. Mm-hmm. And I think I did get the sense that if it were just him, he probably would have tried to to help me. And he has a really good relationship with this boy. And I, I feel like there was probably he wanted to help him too because he has helped him out in the past with like giving him a job and, and things mm-hmm. like that. But um, the other priest, he was the one who was really quite rude. Um, so I think it probably was more he was in charge and the other Mm -hmm. one was just along with it yeah yeah and i mean that's just sad it is sad i mean we can all all of us ex-members can sit outside here and say you know you dodged a bullet we can say that right and we can say that you know what you don't want to be in there but that's the point of this isn't the whole principle of why we're doing what we're doing on on this podcast is to really show here is somebody young who is most like, willing to give up absolutely everything to join and they denied it, mm-hmm. right? Like that choice, they took your choice away of a very pivotal moment in your life. And that is what I think the Charities Commission needs to mo- know about. I think it's just, they're not following what they've been set out that they said they would do since they lost their charity status Back in, when was that? 2012? I think it was 2012. Was it 2012? Yeah. Like it's, that's the point is, is that, you know, you, you are willing to give up everything to be able to go and do what they said to do. And here you sit down with two priests and they wrote you off. Yeah. So, you know, the, the thing I struggled with at the time is that like, it was a real sense of, of rejection, but, you know, I'd spoken to this boy and he had said, you know, there's a lot more men in there than women. So I was thinking like, well, if you need women in there, and I'm sure they kind of needed like, you know, fresh blood in a way, because I know that like the bloodlines have kind of crossed a little bit and they're having problems with that. Oh, wow. like, yeah. I was like, <laughs> um, well, this boy, 
two cousins wanted to marry each other and I was like hang on a minute that's not allowed <laughs> but yeah I, I got the sense of like why won't you let me in like if you think mm. hey this person wants to leave but he'll stay if she comes in surely that's easy you know we all got married had a few kids and then he wouldn't be a problem anymore to them and they can have an easier life of not having to watch him all the time and they just mm -hmm. didn't understand their choice yeah so Cheryl, you you um you touched on the charity commission thing, and going back to my point of it possibly being a bit cruel um, to give you like a, an inkling of being able to join. Um, I myself, the wall was pulled over my eyes because I believed that when the review and the charity commission matter, as they called it, was going on. Um, I believed everything had changed. Like if you left, you'd be able to contact your family. If people wanted to come in, they could, because that is what was, that was the picture that was painted yeah. to us, to all the young people. Um, and then the charity was introduced, which, um, which started some form of interaction between inside and outside. And so we, like, I believed everything had changed. Now I know it completely has not. Um, but maybe that's where, like, the naivety on his part came from, in that you could join. Yeah. Because that's what they painted to us. Um, and, and I don't think the Charity Commission realised that actually... Well, they're starting to realise, but I don't think they fully re realise that actually nothing's changed. Um, the other question I have is, what basis were you actually sacked from your job? Do you think it could be classed as unfair dismissal if you took it to employment tribunal? Um, no, because I, I was still on probation, so no, they just no. ended the probation. Um, right. So you don't really get any kind of... No. Uh, Rounds no. with that. I did look into it though at the time because I was pissed off about it. But yeah, you just don't get any rights. Yeah. Right. What was it? What? Uh, I mean, yeah. Obviously, you don't have many rights on probation. But what was their actual reason? What did they tell you? Why did they tell you that your probation wasn't continuing? Um, it was quite an awkward meeting, actually. So uh, my manager, he was the one that was kind of realizing that me and him were talking to each other and kept telling us off um he was very nervous like i've never seen him like shake so much he kept having to like swallow as well as he was talking like, <laughs> I was like are you having a nervous breakdown are you okay <laughs> um but i i think he knew it it wasn't fair and like it it was wrong but he literally just said yeah this isn't working out is it and i was like excuse me what I've taken on two jobs here because you, you've got rid of another girl. You know, I get on with everyone. It's fine. What is your problem? And he was just like, yeah, the board has just decided that you're not fit. So I'm sorry. You can collect your stuff and go. And that was that. Wow. Shocking. Well, and they're Christians. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I actually, I had a conversation with someone this morning and we got into the conversation about um, 
again, how they paint their picture to the outside, right? Where there's this mainstream Christian church, they use the word Christian, they have Christian values, blah, 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 blah. But if you go back to actually what you're taught inside there, right? That they don't use that word inside there. Like, I mean, they didn't when I was in there. I don't know when you guys were in there, but when they, that word Christianity wasn't really used, like they didn't, to me, they didn't call themselves Christians inside there. What it is that you're in a holy fellowship with God's son, right? And they believe that, uh, you know, you're, you're sovereignly placed in this holy fellowship with God's son. And if you give up that right, that's why they withdraw from you right? is because you should not give up that position. But it's all about, it's it's literally just all about following the man of God. It is not, you don't, like, I went to other Christian churches after I left, and it was just so different, the way that people talk, the way that it was presented, than when I was in there. And then she was, this girl I was just talking this morning, was just mentioning to me that, is that we've got to quit calling them, um, Christians, because they don't, they just present that. But when you're inside there, that word is not used. Like, was that word used when you were in there, Abby and Gilly? Barely. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, again, barely. It would would occasionally come up, but certainly not. Yeah, like you say, it would have been all about the fellowship, the testimony, everything else. Exactly. Yeah, and the, and the they, they use. great men. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah um, I guess I just, like, I take this back to your story again, Emily, is that they have this um, superiority about them, thinking again that they are the top, that they are the top. And why would they just take someone off the street? I think it was a real test. Like your situation, Emily, was a huge test for them to see if they had changed, right? And so hearing your story and hearing how you explain it, you really see that they have not changed. They have not taken the review that they had back in 2012 to heart. And like, you were one of the sweetest people I've ever spoken to. And why it's just, it just doesn't make sense why they wouldn't have allowed you in there. It just doesn't make sense to me. You sound more committed than me, gal. <laughs> I mean, that's not hard, but yeah. <laughs> it's true what you were saying, Cheryl, you know, any, you walk into any church you don't have to, don't have to have a meeting with the elders before you go in yeah where, like, where, where, where does that come from like that's what i mean you, know, you should have just been able to start showing up you shouldn't have even had to meet with elders it should have been if they are an open mainstream christian church that doesn't have to pay taxes on their properties of the churches doesn't have to pay taxes on all these things that church service, those church services should be open to the public because that is why you get your charity status. That's why I've had a conversation with another ex-member on this, that we should be able to just walk up and be like, walk in like any other normal church. If you're going to have closed doors and you're going to not allow people to join, you should not get free taxes. You should not be able to have your taxes wiped away on all of those church properties. Because if that's the case, I should be able to just open something up in my basement and not have to pay taxes on my house. Yeah. Let's do right? it. So here's like <laughs> this is this is the thing that got me riled up about the whole thing with you, Emily, is because they freaking took your choice away on such a pivotal moment of your life. Like, I'm a sucker for love. I am a sucker for 
a story like yours. I really am. It just, I get so invested in it and it breaks my heart that that choice was taken away from you. And now you, I mean, yes, you've had time to get over it, but it shouldn't have been. If they are who they say they are, and because they have the charity status that they have, this should not have been an issue. And when you sat down with those priests, it should have been, yes, we welcome you. You want to learn about the Bible. You want to learn about Christ's teaching. We welcome you with open arms. Come on in. That's how it should have been if they have been really repairing the damage they did pre-review um, before they got the charity status taken away. Yeah. Yeah. It's not I right. Just... It's just not right. Because this is your heart. This is your heart we're dealing with. So I want to read to you. Um, so this this is what was one of the amendments for the Preston Down Trust that the PBCC agreed to uphold. Number one, the services of worship conducted in each gospel hall included in the property of the trust other than the Lord's Supper and services convened for a particular family or by a visiting elder, minister, servant, or, or evangelist for the benefit of a congregation gathering by way of special invitation should be open to all properly disposed persons who wish to be present and observe such worship. Properly disposed persons are members of the public, whether members of the brethren or not, who, one, Respect the gospel hall as a sacred place. Two, do not threaten the safety or privacy of the assembly. And three, come to the service in a spirit of gravity, genuinely wishing to learn from the teachings that are given there. Two, we should ensure that a gospel hall in every locality displays prominently outside its premises a, a sign indicating how persons from outside the community, including former brethren, can attend a hall for worship. Three, we should offer to people who attend our gospel halls for worship from outside the community, including former brethren, the opportunity to better understand our faith and services through literature or in person. So what I have to ask you, em Emily, were you genuinely wanting to learn the teachings of the PBCC? Yeah, yeah, I did. So when they said to me, like, um, about, you know, I had to read Paul's writings, I had no idea what that was. Um, so, you know, I asked them for mentorship because I was like, yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing or what any of this is. And I'd like some guidance. Yes, I can read it on my own, but I'm not going to understand it. Um, but yeah, they, they didn't give that to me. And you understood that their meeting hall were a sacred place. You weren't a threat to them. Yeah. No, not at all. I did, I did say to them, like, you know, I would sit in on a meeting even if it's like I just sit at the back you know you, you have people guard me if you want like I just want to see kind of what it's like and if it if it would be for me um but they just completely ignored that when when I when I said about it yeah see they're they're just not they're not adhering to what they said that they were going to do when they got their charity status back yeah and you know if you had gone in it would have all been edited for a public audience. So they say, um, so the people that would be preaching, because they normally go to like a, well, in the old days, it would have been at five o'clock. I don't know what it is now. Um, and they would say to the preachers, we have a member of the public coming in. You're not to mention Bruce Hales' name in your preaching. This has got to be a gospel preaching. Now, it's a gospel preaching anyway. So why do you even need to say that to the people that would be preaching? 
to not mention Bruce Howes' name because they put Bruce Howes up with up with Jesus. Mm. Um, so it would have all been edited for a public audience anyway. I just wanted but still, to still she should have been there. allowed to get in there. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I'll attach a copy of the Preston Down Trust. Um, the whole everything that it contains and it's really good for those of you that are in there to look through it and realize you have a lot more freedom than what you're being given right now mm. and anybody over the 18 is supposed at the age of 18 is supposed to have their own copy rather than have just seen it once and signed it and given it back really? that was what the agreement that was what the agreement was the agreement with the living our beliefs or whatever the document is called yeah. Um, the agreement was that everybody over the 18 is supposed to have a copy and keep it. What the peeps actually did was it was read out. One copy was given to each household, which was told they had to read it and then give it back. Yeah, I heard so that. Nobody, back. nobody has actually got, no, no, everybody over the age of 18 is supposed to have a personal copy of it. Nobody over the age of 18 has actually got their own copy. I've never seen and I it. I know this. I know this because I challenged my own parents on it and they haven't got one yeah. because they had to get, they were allowed to see it once and were told to give it back. Because I had they don't an insider want to read that, it. Um, asked us for it because he didn't have it. And he said the exact same thing that they had to give it back. I'll attach it into the comments and you all can download it, print it off and keep a copy hidden somewhere and then when you are having your priestly visits and get you know questions on things that you've seen inside here that you're allowed to do show that to them and if they still don't let you do it contact us i want to go back to i want to just go back to your relationship with um this guy how invested were you like i want you to like get really like how invested were you in this uh very i think it's probably the most thing i was committed to to be honest so i told all my family and friends about it i was like look i'm not gonna be able to speak to you anymore once i joined i started limiting contact with people just so i could get used to the transition for about like three months when i was trying to get in um i was only wearing dresses and like a headband because i was like yeah you know, i took all my jewelry out I was like, I need to start living this lifestyle now so I can get used to it. And it's not going to be a shock. And, you know, I was uh, reading the Bible every night just to try and get an understanding of like, okay, how are these meetings going to go? Um, you know, I didn't use my TV. I just, any rule I could try to follow, I did. And, you know, I was trying to contact the priests um, like every three days. So I was constantly on their case of like, hey, when can we meet? Hey, I've tried to call you. Hey, what's going on? Um, I, yeah, I tried my absolute hardest. Wow. The, I, I didn't realize you were like that invested where you've actually told your family. I We have some screenshots here um, of your messages with the priests maybe just walk us through this so these are some messages that you've had between you and the priest yeah so um as you can see at, at this point like my messages are the ones in green i was kind of fed up so that's why i say well is there anyone else i can talk to if you're too busy because i was like hey there's got to be more than one elder like <laughs> you're off to australia great 
where's someone else like this is my life I've put on hold here and I told him this on the phone I was like hey you know I'm not talking to anyone in my life at the minute my life is on hold here and I kind of want to get in as soon as possible so I can start making new relationships with people because I'm lonely you know this is really hard to not have contact with anyone and live in limbo and I'm constantly chasing you so um and I say they're like sorry to bother you you know I'm just keen it it was obvious that you know this is something I was passionate about mm-hmm. and here's another one uh, it looks like they're referring you to another person here Rod Buckley so yes, he's like so, do you know who Rod Buckley is yeah he's kind of like the PR guy isn't he um, yeah and yeah. uh he's like the P lawyer oh so he's not even uh, he's not even a priest no he's local in Torbay like in the southwest of England nowhere near where where they'd have been from wow hmm so you're really being yeah, but he's, 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 he's essentially been a, a peeb spokesperson for yeah. pre, pre, probably pretty much since 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 2011 2012 oh it's before that um, because my parents were involved with him when they were going through their shit so it'd been yeah yeah a long time wow so any like any 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 press inquiries or anything you know they will or if you know if a tv crew ever turn up anywhere he'll get stuck in front of the camera basically and did did they know at this point how far you had gone that you were wearing dresses that you had given up all of this connections to everybody did they know that they had that you had gone this far yeah, so I said all of that in the meeting and this uh, this screenshot we're looking at was after the meeting. Okay. So they did okay. know all of this stuff. Um, I also kind of want to point out, you can see in this uh, screenshot at the very top, it says, um, I'll catch up with Dean. He's caring for his parents um, at the moment. So like that's one excuse. And then a few messages down, he's like, oh, no, he's had an operation. It's like... <laughs> I mean, it's quite extreme excuses. <laughs> it's October 22nd and then November 9th, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's delay tactics, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think I started talking to them in August. Wow. And then, yeah, it ended in November. The thing is, the thing is truth, tr truthfully, we know here they just didn't have a clue what to say, did they? No. No. They had no idea how to handle this. No, no, because it, you because it never happens. Yeah, it never you, happens. You were the perfect person to just be this person coming in who you wholeheartedly believed in what you're about to come into. I mean, the fact that you were wearing a headband, that you had switched to dresses, that you'd got rid of your TV, that you had like told your parents and your family that, hey, I won't have any contact with you. Like Emily just shows the level of your commitment of I am just absolutely shocked they they didn't they didn't take they they didn't bite the bullet on this that they didn't take you. I'm so shocked, so shocked. I wanted to show the listeners and viewers um how committed the guy that you were dating was. So walk us through this exchange here, Emily. Like what prompted this conversation here? Yeah, so um, at this point, I had just said to him, look, um, I've tried to convince you to leave for me, 
and I'm going to give you the same opportunity of you can try and convince me to join for you because I think that's only fair. Um, and these are the messages that he he sent me to try and convince me to join. And there's a lot more to this conversation. We spent literally a whole day talking about it and me going back and forth and asking questions. Um, and then it was at the end of this conversation that I said, okay, I'll join for you. What do I have to do? And he spoke me through what to do next. Wow. So for our listeners that aren't watching on um, through video, I want to just read this out to you. Um, so he responds, I want to make a family with you, build a home of love and encouragement for our children. But I want to enjoy just us before that too. Want to make your life happier than you ever thought it could be. I will be there for with you through everything consoling you and looking after you through the bad times, working through solutions to our problems together and making the happy and good times happier and better by giving you every ounce of love I've ever had in me. Loving you unconditionally every day from before I wake up to after I fall asleep for the rest of my life and having fun, making experiences with you, making you laugh, seeing your big old grin with, would be the highlight of my day every day, no matter how many I live, doing everything together as one. Because you are my person. As much as I might not have treated you like it, please tell me what you're thinking. So he he sounds very committed, right? Like he was very committed into the situation. And this wasn't just a fling, right? This wasn't, I think that's the biggest thing I want to get through to people is this wasn't just a one-off fling that was happening. It was a very committed, serious relationship did you guys speak of marriage? Did you guys have the marriage conversation? Yeah, so um, there was a, a point that we were looking at houses that we could buy together. Um, so he had a deposit saved. So he was like, you know what? Like, he, he did want me to be like more of a traditional housewife. Um, so he was like, I will give you the money, you buy us a family home, you find whatever you want and we'll do it together. Um, so yeah, there was a point where we were, were looking into that and he was very keen on, on getting married, but he wanted us to just have time in this marriage to ourselves um, and really like get to know each other and have a lot of fun memories before we had children. But he was very keen on on having quite a big family with me. So that seems like it was very well thought out, that it wasn't just this, you know, jump into something, let's get married and have kids right away. It feels like this was very well thought out. You know, when you're putting that much thought and effort to knowing that you should take time first, right, to build this, it is a very well thought out plan. It just doesn't seem like it's something that just was sporadically happening. We have when he we have some messages from when he cut things off with you. Whilst you get them up, can I quickly ask how long it was that you'd actually been in a relationship before you got messages like this from him? Was it pretty quick or so <laughs> we had met up once out outside of work. Um, and that was kind of what changed us from like a friendship into more of a relationship. But mm -hmm. he didn't ask me out straight away because I said like, you know, I I'm not sure on this, you know, 
you're in this like religious group and I'm I'm not sure if we can have a future together. So he didn't ask me out for quite a long time, but we were basically in a relationship. Um, and then eventually that's when he said, you know, for the right girl, I would leave. And I said, are you talking about me? And he said, yeah. And that's what um, drove us to say, okay, let's be in a relationship. So there was a chunk of time where we technically weren't together, but acting like we were. Okay. Can I ask you when he did ask you out, how he actually did that? Because And the reason, I'll give you a reason why I ask, um, is because dating as a whole in the brethren is a complete hash um because you go through um periods of um no contact or you're not allowed to meet up unless supervised or like I was never actually asked out so to speak like in non-brethren terms in the brethren so I'm really interested for you how that was different to perhaps your typical non-brethren asking out um so it, it it was such a random moment that um that he asked me we were like just laying in bed together I was literally just about to fall asleep because obviously uh, we stayed up all night together so it was very tired a lot of the time um and he just blurted out will you be my girlfriend and I was kind of like huh did I hear that right? Or am I dreaming? Um, and he was like, oh, sorry, I, I probably should have, you know, planned something romantic, but I just, I feel like I love you. Will you go out with me? And I was like, yeah, of course. I kind of thought we already were. But yeah. <laughs> You're in my bed, darling. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's interesting. So it's pretty normal. You know, you did quite well on that bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So this was an exchange, an email exchange between the two of you. Um, and is this after, this is after he cut it off with you, I'm assuming? Yeah. Um, so it's after he cut it off, but just before he was shut up. Okay. Uh, so I'm just going to read this for the listeners. Um, I have read, I think every single word you said, it's correct. I know you haven't forgiven me and I don't expect you to, but I need you to know I am so, so sorry for what I've done and how I've affected your life. I truly am. And if I can, I will someday repay you. I love you so much still. Been so worried about you. I went to McDonald's on the off chance I'd see you. I'm sad that I didn't. I was searching for yellow cars. P.S. You won't be blocked on this email, but please don't talk to me. It's open for emergencies, physical, mental, emotional, financial, spiritual, but please only for use in emergencies. Although I understand if you don't think I'll be of any help or if you don't want to talk to me, but not for anything else. And although I've, I'll always help, in any way I can, it will be just as someone who loves you and cares about you, but not as a partner. I pray for you every night and morning and throughout the day, and I think of you all the time. I've been sat refreshing my emails for quite some time, to be honest, until we can speak again. I love you, Emily, and I miss you so, so much. Oh, that's so sad. It's just... I hope that people who are listening and watching this can understand the gravity of the situation of this. 
And I know I'm oh, not right. the only sucker for love. I know I'm not the only one out there. Like this is, this is someone's heart that they were dealing with. This is someone's heart. We have a, we have a voice recording of a note you sent Gilly after he broke up with you. Are you okay if we share that? Yeah, that's fine. I just want people to understand the level of pain that you went through after this all went down. As soon as I saw it, at like midday, I knew. And I messaged his actual phone number instead of WhatsApp, and I just said, Have you blocked me? And he. He unlocked me on WhatsApp and he just said, Hi, you want the good news or the bad news? And he just knew. He just knew. And I just said, You're back in, aren't you? And he said, Yeah. And I can't risk it. I can't risk it. And I really, really tried to be nice and I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. And I said, it's not fair because it's just me. You see, well, you went down, that's how you go back. You know, you have your whole family back and I have nothing. And he said, he said, I told you we were just friends. That's on you. <laughs> but we weren't just friends. <laughs> when I was your friend, you got shitty with me about it. I'm not treating you as that. So I stopped. And he was like, yeah, but you led into it. It takes two to tango, and you knew the risk. You knew that I wanted to get back, and you knew that I wouldn't risk it again, and I'd have to cut you off. So I said, why did you string me along there? <laughs> why did you talk about <laughs> what did our family with me? <laughs> Why did you say all the things that you have when you didn't mean that? You just gotta say it. But it wasn't right. If I could choose who I would have loved, I would have chosen forever and go. You had to get right, and he knew the things weren't right. And then, like, it didn't matter if I was enough or not because. That kind of thing doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll do a screen recording of the conversation so you can see it all. But <laughs> I kept saying you hurt me so much. I'm in so much pain and he just seems so cold. <laughs> and he said he was in pain too. <laughs> And like, and he just shut off. And I, I said to him, like, well, were you just not going to tell me that? And he was like, 
you do know I could have just left you for as if that's meant to make me feel better. <laughs> and then he goes on to start whinging about, oh, well, I'll probably never marry someone. Well, you could have married me. I would have been there for you. I would have loved you. I would have done it all. <laughs> He's going on about his shitty family, his shitty community. <laughs> I don't fucking love him, particularly if they put him through all this shit. <laughs> I don't know what to do. But it's something I can't do. He said he won't block my number, and if I ever truly need him, I can, I can message him. But he said as soon as you talk to me to catch up, then I'll just block you without, without saying anything. And I... I kept saying to him, like, I don't want to end on a bad note. And I'm not trying to be mean to you, but I'm just in so much pain. I just I can't so much. I don't mean to lash out, but it's not okay. I mean, there's nothing I can do, but. Like, I don't know what to do, I don't, I don't know what, what to say or what to think or what to feel, it's just, it's just real pain, it just hurts, because I tried Was heart wrenching. What's going, what's going through you right now, having to listen to that back? I don't even know what to say. It's got to be so hard hearing. And I think this is the part that just really frustrates me is that you did give everything, right? You gave everything for this situation. And that choice was taken away from him and that choice was taken away from you due to priests that are not a part of a mainstream Christian church. They're a part of a cult. Yeah, so there was a lot of feelings of like rejection and like, why am I not good enough? Why can't I join? You know, why am I not good enough for him? Why won't he leave for me? Why don't they want me? Um you know listening to it but I mean that was like six seven months ago now and like I can't believe that I was you know that upset you almost like forget and hearing it back I just want to give myself a hug yeah it brought tears back to my eyes of like wow I it really was that bad and it's always like I've shut myself off from it because it's like I don't want to acknowledge how difficult it actually it actually was and actually there is a little sense of, of anger to be honest because you know this was after he was let back in after being shut up um and he went through the whole I can never speak to you again I'm not going to want to risk it and literally three days later he messaged me saying hey how's it going and I thought how dare you like mm -hmm. if you knew what I've gone through 
and you just casually spoken to me as if none of that happened and yeah I think really... they're used to that level of trauma in there though especially yeah. that particular family I think it would just be like another another day another drama another thing that makes you feel a bit shit um and the head fuckery is just next level I mean and it's not necessarily just him actually fucking with your head it's the priest mm -hmm. and yeah. the the, yeah. the people that are above the priest trying to give the um advice on how to deal with the situation um and I think it's really important that we also bear in mind that the amount of pressure that that lad would have been put under would have been ridiculous. Like he would have been in so much emotional pain as well because, because of what he would have been told, you know, he'd have been told he's going to lose his family. He's going to lose his job. He's going to lose his money. He's going to lose his, um, you name it, he'd lose it. Like that was the threat that they, that they put on him. Um, and yet, here was you on the opposite side, ready to give all that up anyway to go and be with That's him. what I mean, right? It's That's so the whole, fucked up. The whole ludicrous part of all of this is that it wasn't like the obstacle wasn't you, Emily, and the obstacle mm. wasn't him, right? Mm. The obstacle was this set of beliefs, what they call morals. It was this, it was priest, it was it's just i i again i get just get into no words because i get so frustrated and passionate inside about what they present to the public versus what is actually happening inside there you yeah. did receive a he did send you a message a letter it was a letter handwritten letter when he did end things with you when did you get this letter um so this was a few days after he um broke up with me so he texted me saying like things are over i i can't give up my community um and that day or that evening he wrote the letter because he had uh, my spare key so he had to send it back to me um but he did confess to me that he they told him what to write so it wasn't actually his words he just copied it down and yeah he sent my key back Okay, so this is this is the letter that he wrote you, and he told you that the priest helped him helped him write it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I, I did block out his name for for a certain reason at the end. So it says it's dated. Um, is that July fourteenth of twenty twenty two? Dear Emily, I've come to it that my place in the community and my link with the Lord Jesus are too strong for me to turn my back on it, and I can and continue my relationship with you. I wish you all the best and happiness in your future. Such a typical wow. peeve letter, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> like such a typical carbon copy of what they would say. Yeah. And I mean void of any feeling. It's yeah. totally cold. It's just the it's just the the opposite of what you would normally find inside a mainstream Christian church, right? Yeah. <laughs> um how did it like what what went through your head when you received this? Um so when he actually broke up with me via text um he did like he blocked me for about an hour and then he unblocked me and he was like i will talk to you i just need to keep you blocked um so he did at that point 
me being the dramatic girl I am, I had already jumped in my car and he lives 45 minutes away. So I was driving to his house because I was like, I'm not going down without a fight, sweetheart. Um, at that point, I convinced him to come out and we did speak face to face in my car about it. And he said, okay, tomorrow I'm going to tell him I'm definitely leaving. That did not happen. Uh, but he told me, um, I've sent you a letter, by the way. So I knew it was coming. Um, but when I actually received it, it was different. Like there was something about me getting that key back that felt very final of like, oh, this is actually over now. He, like he's not coming back. Um, and, and it was really upsetting. This is the thing that they don't realize they're playing with people's mental health, actually. That, exactly. Exactly. And it, this could, re for the wrong person, this could, you know, lead to, dare I say it, suicide. Mm -hmm. If they're, if they're that invested in a relationship and that you've listed the things that you'd have done for this lad. It's love, but that's what I mean. It's like the thing that everybody on this planet searches for. We all search for love in some way, shape, form of matter, whether it is, it, it, we all search for it. We search mm -hmm. to be loved and we search to learn how to love ourselves. That is just the human, like the thing is, is they, they interfered with a choice that is, like I say, I'm going to reiterate it. It's one of the most pivotal choices that anybody makes in their life, right? It's just, that's what I think the whole charity commission needs to get a hold of is to understand that here's a prime example of somebody that was willing to give up absolutely everything that she knew full fledged wanted to learn their ways. Like, like introduce me. I, I want to learn. I want to know about all of this. And they didn't allow it. Mm. And this is, it yeah. doesn't matter if we, there's people out there that don't think that you should have joined. That isn't the, that isn't the point that we're trying to make here. The point is, is that this mainstream Christian church said, no, you cannot join. You can't come to our meetings. They, they denied you that opportunity. They should not have a charity status. They should not have a charity status. Did you feel that he was being forced to break up with you? Yeah, definitely. Um, there is, I think there is one of the screenshots that I sent you where he says about the power struggle in these meetings. Cause he, he did say like, I really wish I advocated for you more, but um, he was like, you don't understand what it's like in those meetings. Like I just have to sit and listen to what I'm being told. I can't say anything back. Mm -hmm. um, and just going back to like mental health at this time when he broke up with me, um, I didn't eat anything for two whole weeks. And it took me two months to actually be able to eat like one or two actual meals a day. I wasn't sleeping. I didn't leave the house and I cried every single day. Um, just like that voice note, I had like a bottle of like rescue remedy. It's like a thing that calms you down. I was literally I take that too. <laughs> every hour because I couldn't cope. I was a nervous wreck and at one point, like my hair started falling out. And I lost probably like half a head of hair, to be honest. Aww. Like I was so stressed. Um, so yeah, it really did affect me in, in a way that nothing has ever affected me before. And I, I just was so at a loss. I didn't know what to do because, you know, 
I've never been in a situation before like this and no one understood it in my life. They were like, it's just a boy, get over it. But I just, I couldn't, I couldn't. Mm. Let's hope you never have a situation like this again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What were you going to say, Gilly? No, I was just, um, just touching on your point about the um, charity commission thing. There's obviously the side from uh, from Emily's point of view, and obviously, you know, it's I, <laughs> I can remember I was getting daily multiple messages a day of that kind of message of, but you know how how she was feeling. But I was just I just thinking uh, when you read out that email from from the lad, you can tell in the way he's writing that email it's a complete, and I I remember saying this to you at the time, Em, that it's a complete battle between his head and his heart. Yeah. Because you can tell, for, you can tell on those the words he's using. You know, he obviously desperately wanted to be with you, but he knew, you know, the 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 the, the years of brainwashing had done to him. Um, had you know, it was it was creating this this problem for him in his head where he just couldn't. He thought he couldn't get past it. And you know, I, I I only relate it to my experience because I was in a similar situation. Granted, it was the other way around, but uh, I was in a similar situation when I left. And it is just a complete and utter it messes with your head so much. But like you know, come back to your point about the charity commission. Why should he be making the choice between church and love? Yeah. Why 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 should that be the choice that he has to make? You know. You think, like, coming back to your point about mainstream church, if you were to go to any church, you know, any other church, mainstream church, and you were in a church and you brought along your new partner, they'd go, hey, great. You know, it's another opportunity for us to reach out to someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That that kind of attitude of... Yes, great. It's another one to add to our, to our numbers. Not not that church is all about numbers, but that kind of, you know, as opposed to the whole, no, you're not good enough for us. We're too high and mighty. You know, we can't. You know, we're not going to mix with you. And I remember, I remember talking to you, Emma, about after the, after that meeting you had with the elders and some of the things you told me that they said at the time. I just. Um, one, it brought so, so many memories back, but two, they were just so condescending and just, yeah, there's just absolutely no element of true Christianity in that. Not at all. Do you remember some of the specific things that they said in that meeting? Um, yeah, so I have some notes next to me of, of what they said word for word. So I um, I wrote it down after the meeting so I wouldn't forget. Um, so you actually said it earlier, pretty much word for word, uh, the sovereignty of God to where you're born and like the Holy Fellowship. Um, they actually asked me at one point, they, they said, what makes you good enough to join us? Um, and I was like, I don't know what to say to that. Um but you know they were lucky because they had the wonderful knowledge of the truth of man and the love of the scriptures um and they gave me like a step-by-step guide of how 
how I could have a wonderful transaction with Christ um, <laughs> and that I had to confess all my sins and, you know, be cleansed of the dirtiness. Um, but, yeah, they... <sighs> oh, it's so messed up, man. Yeah. They ultimately ended with, you know what, it's not up to us, it's up to the Lord, so we'll pray and, you know, once we get an answer, we'll get back to you. But in, in the meantime, you need to have, you know, my soul needs to be at peace and I need to have this transaction, I need to have a sign. And, um, you know, ultimately they're not qualified to um, to make such a, a decision, but they'll they'll pray for me. I, did they pray I, with you? No, no, they didn't actually. I did say to them, like, at the very end, I was like, can I have some, like, mentorship? Because I know that, you know, women kind of have a lot of uh, guidelines. And I was like, I don't know what to do. So it'd be great. And, you know, with reading the Bible, they said I had to read, like, Paul's teachings. And I was like, you know, great. Can you explain them to me? And they just said, oh, yeah, we'll we'll be in touch with all that. And then they it's just probably because they didn't know them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, they're... Guy Gilly. I was just going to say, what what a question. What makes you think you're good enough to join? Really? And they don't... That really <laughs> they deny over and over that they're a cult. That is... Like, that's just, that is not a mainstream Christian church. Like, after I left, I, w I just walked into a Catholic church. I was received with open arms. It just wasn't for me. And then went to, I tried, I think it was a Baptist church. I've tried a United church. Everybody received me with open arms, right? Like, it just, it's so crazy that they can hold a charity status the way they do, yet have closed doors and deny someone as beautiful as you are, Emily, inside and out and deny your access to the teachings yet when you sit here and look at their frequently asked questions on their website here's what comes up how can i become a member our evangelical work is intended to lead people to christ for the salvation of their souls for now and eternity any that are prepared to be committed to our beliefs and way of life life may choose to join our church which we are having a whole account here on this podcast where someone's been trying to do this and they're not allowing it because they feel that they are the special ones and only they that are born into it should be allowed to do this or be a part of this. And this is where the Charity Commission needs to hold them accountable because they're not holding up their end to their agreement. Yeah, so they kept like really reiterating that they are a special vessel. And this is not joining a club. You don't sign up for a membership and walk in. No, no, no. You have to be a certain type of person. They kept saying, you know, we've only known one or two people in our lifetime that's done it. You know, it's so difficult. You're going to have to give up everything. And it was always that like it was trying to scare me. And I was like, yeah, well, I'm already doing that. And then that's when they were kind of looking at each other thinking like, or probably thinking, oh no, what do we say now? You know, we're not, yeah. we're not dissuading her easily. And then that's <laughs> when they kind of 
like honestly they would say something i would reply and they'd sit in silence for like 30 seconds and it was so awkward and i was like what do i do but they were obviously thinking of something to say so they were like oh shit she she's persistent um but eventually they just kind of fobbed me off with the yeah we'll pray for you and hopefully something will happen those awkward moments in priestly visits do you guys remember those like oh yeah I like sometimes I go, give me the knife, I can cut the air, right? That was that's your typical. So, who were the priests that you sat down with? Um, so it was Dean Bowie and Johnny Beatty. Hmm. Boom shakalaka. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. One of those, one of those was your ex employer, right? Yeah. Hmm. But that's so messed up how they're mixing the two as well. Exactly, right? And that's when we get into the situations that we get into every day, right? That's why we have the situations that we have is because so many crossovers. People talk about that at the bullion at OSG, right? At their schools is because these kids, they never get a break from them, right? Mm. Um, I, yeah, right. It's just, there's never a break. I was just going to ask you if um, if anyone made you aware, other than obviously like the ex-brethren Facebook groups, about any of the other stuff that goes on in there, such as um, the different kinds of abuse. Um, and did he ever explain um, any traumas to you in terms of what what had gone on in the church locality or family or friends or anything like that was 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 any of that ever mentioned to you like if he wanted to foot if he wanted you to fully know what you were getting into was was the um extremely dark side of of the brethren explained to you um he told me about like his experiences and like what his family have been through and and put him through as well so i yeah i do know about like the dark side of it but you know when we were talking about me joining i think we both kind of just politely ignored that because neither of us wanted to acknowledge that side of it because Mm. you know we were so desperate it was like i can put up with all this stuff if it meant i was with you yeah and that's that's what they're all doing yeah they're all just they're all just politely brushing over it as if it's not there so had his family been through quite a bit like it had been through their family had been through quite a bit of trauma yeah um so i know that uh he's from a lower family so they were just kind of bullied a lot um i know that his um dad is an alcoholic and used to you know hit his wife and his children um i know that there was like sexual abuse that went on as well and i think his parents split up for a while so he was like severely bullied at school because that's like not normal for your parents to split up in the brethren um i know that he had a lot of problems with his sister as well and his sister like when she moved out and you know got married she turned him away and was like you're not welcome in my house and there was quite a lot of 
Reverend houses he couldn't go to because he wasn't welcome because of his family status. And um, his mum did kick him out for two years as well. So he had to stay at other brethren's houses um, just because he used to get into fights with his dad all the time. Do you know, it blows my mind that he didn't leave. It literally blows my mind. Because I am aware of, like, his background and for various reasons. Like, he's got a girl like you willing to do anything for him. And this just shows how deep the indoctrination is. Yeah. This shows how brainwashed those poor people are. Like, how blind are these people? And, you know, when this podcast is launched, I can see that it will be... It could come back on him, but I just pray that he's brave enough to get the hell out of there because it's never going to get any easier for him. Do you do you have hopes? Like, do you still hold out hopes or are you over this? Um, well, he is a year younger than me so there's a part of me that thinks you know if he just grows up and matures a little bit you know when he maybe gets to 25 and his brain starts working properly maybe <laughs> and think, ah, I've made the wrong choice here um I think I think I will always have hope that he will not to come out and be with me but just so he deserves so much better like he deserves a full life out here and just happiness and you know love whether it's me or somebody else and just not to go through this abuse all the time every day um i think you know i i don't think i can be in contact with him i don't think it's healthy for me to be but yeah, i agree i agree i think if he i'd say to him you know, leave and then come and find me and yeah. I will have you and we'll see where this kind of goes. But yeah, I think, I mean, there's always going to be that what if because we never finished our story. So I think I will always have hope and I, I think I'll always love him. Yeah. Oh, bless you, Em. You're such a sweetheart. I want to share one of the text messages between that he, where he talks about the pressures of the meeting. This is a message that he was talking to you about the the meetings and stuff walk us through what what this conversation was about so i i basically said like i wish you would have advocated for me in his first meeting when he said like hey i want to leave and they were like absolutely not i wish he would have really like fought for me and said like well you know can she come in then like is there options here i love this girl um so i was just trying to get across like I really wish you would have tried because you know I've gone to all this effort um of like you know going to this meeting and chasing the elders and, and all of that and I feel like you've just kind of sat there uh, and not really done much on your end but you know they probably would have worked with you and they would have well at least I thought they might have received me better at this meeting if he had said you know I am pretty adamant I want to be with this girl and she is willing can you help us yeah I agree so I'm just gonna read this out for the listeners um so this is 
him speaking, the power balance in those meetings is whack. Don't be too harsh on me. And if I say the wrong thing, they might just say, nah, we're not meeting you next week. You're being difficult. You can't join the Zoom meetings anymore and you need to find a new place to live. And I mean, that is true. That is that is literally, it's just, they can cut you off just like that. So he says, I definitely agree with you. I do, but just wanted you to understand how little bargaining power I had, if that makes sense. And you responded, yeah, I understand. And he says, but yes, I wish I'd been more definite about you. And you said, I wish you would have tried. And he said, you are right. And you said, at least in desperation. Yeah. And I mean, it is, it is, it is a sad situation because he wouldn't have had a lot of, when you're under that kind of indoctrination, right? You, you don't believe that you have a choice. You don't believe that you have the power of yourself to say like, no, this is what I want because they can strip your whole life away from you. And that again is what makes this a cult and not a mainstream Christian church. Is that when someone holds that kind of power over their members, they are no longer a mainstream Christian church. They're just not. And again, I'll say yeah. it. They should. They do not deserve a charity status. They just don't. I remember him saying uh, with the first meeting he had when, when he told them about me, um, he didn't really even get the opportunity to say that actually I want to leave for her or anything like that. He just said, I have a girlfriend but she's a worldly. And then that's when they were like, okay, we're helping you cut this off. You know, you need to write this letter and you need to block her and, and all of this. It wasn't even a conversation of, okay, well, you know, what can we do? How can we help you? It was just like, nope, that's not allowed. She needs to go. That's, that's also the, you know, the, the lack of the complete lack of feeling they have for anyone that's not part of them. And it goes back to that, um, what you were saying earlier about, you know, he, he blocked you, cut you off, you know, put you through heartache. And then three days later, he's back on the scene going, yeah, hey. And it's just that thing, which is a common theme amongst the peeps of, well, you're not one of us, so you don't have valid feelings. You know, it's that disdain for anyone who's not part of them. Um, just It's just so, it is just so rife um that they just happily just drop drop someone and then think they can pick them back up when whenever suits them yeah and that's what annoys me about with some of the rrt stuff that's where i like, wanted to go next yeah. yeah like seeing like them having a meeting with the uh prime minister at grenfell where they'd probably like the people that lived in Grenfell, bless them, were probably of like a lower class or a different ethnicity to to a lot of people. And you know, stuff like racism, stuff like taking the piss out of homeless people mm -hmm. is across the board rife in there. Like some like I because I was brought up in there, some of the words that I came out with, like I've had to be corrected since I've come out. You don't say that um, because, and yet they're being like all charitable. Oh, here's some water. Here's a this, here's a that. We're inside to take the absolute piss out of these people. Yeah. yeah. It's the charity, the, the RRT charity is for everybody listening and watching. 
it is just a mask. It is a mask for them to keep their charity status. We have an RRT podcast coming up um, soon, and we're going to unpack all of the RRT bullshit. And hopefully it will shed some light for those that are thinking of supporting them to not support them, right? I don't care if it's a charity. When you support RRT, you are supporting what they believe. It just comes down to that. I think there needs to be cleaner lines drawn now. I think that we need to quit pussyfooting around um, some of the things that we've been treading water around. There needs to be mm. cleaner, sharper lines drawn in the sand where, yeah, you don't. You just don't support them. You don't support them on any level. Yeah. yeah. Even the yeah. even the companies totally. that are offering rebates to them. Like, if you actually knew what you're supporting, it's not just like a fund the kids to go to school thing, like they put out, like fuels for school and all this. You're supporting people that will sweep paedophilia under the carpet. Yeah. They yeah. ignore the wives who are in domestic abuse situations you know i could keep i could carry on bullying in schools they could they just ignore it pretty much yes they've got all the right documentation for what what is it, who is it um ofsted they've got all the ofsted. right documentation for that and you think you're not implementing and i can talk from experience on this in yeah. a recent experience in the Coventry locality of which I left, none of those pieces of paper mean anything. They've got the boxes ticked like they always do, but it means nothing. And I mean, Emily, exactly. as, yeah, go ahead, Gilly. No, I was just going to comment on, on that, which is exactly what they've done here with Emily. They've ticked the boxes, they've had a meeting, they've spoken to her, they've given her the PR person's contact details. For what? Yeah. They've done their they've done their their dutiful part yeah. with absolutely not a shred of genuine interest. Yeah, and also their on their meeting yeah. room signs. They got changed um over the charity commission stuff. I'll have to take a picture yeah, of them when I go past. They all got renewed. Yeah, they all got changed to it being a mainstream Christian church and it's got a number. Yeah. So why Rod Buckley? Do you know what I mean? Like, why all of a sudden the other end of the country when you've got these people's names that you can contact on the meeting room? Yeah, because it always, it always used to be the local trustees. That's yeah. it, yeah. But yeah, but that's that's the thing, isn't it? It, it like you say, box ticking exercise, and it's all just a farce. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah. Emily, your story is a perfect example. It is a perfect example of no matter what you're willing to give up, you cannot get in there, right? Everything else is just yeah. a mask and a face that they have to present in order to keep the charity status. The charity status needs to go. That's all I have to say. Um. Yeah, so I looked up on Google whilst we were talking what m the definition of mainstream is. And the meaning is normal, conventional, or ordinary. 
like from your experience Emily I think we can see that this is no normal conventional or ordinary mainstream Christian church no not at all um and just quickly actually going back to um the charity sorry I, I just remembered my guy um actually did do some work for them um it was like the hottest day of the year and he had to go to London and hand out water bottles but I remember it was our boss that told him he had to do it and it wasn't a case of you know we want to help people or you know people are suffering you know it's going to be really hot it was we have to do this we have to send someone you're the one that doesn't have enough work can you go and do it you know there was no compassion for actual the work that was being done it was just we need to tick this box you're going and that was it yeah Yeah. I've heard that quite a bit inside there that Mm -hmm. yeah and usually those with the lower status right the people that have you know, they're the ones that usually have to end up doing the volunteering at Campus Ecoa. They're the ones that get sent out to the RRT locations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I've got countless emails of we need X many volunteers. We need this many. Look, it's tomorrow now. We need this many still. And like it had reduced by like one number. Like no one could actually, no one was being charitable. It was like, we need this many if you're free please like just do it and you know they really miss the whole point of charity right like charity like we don't sit here and talk about all the families that you know we're helping out we don't talk about like you don't you're not sitting there broadcasting about all the charity that you do or the money that you handed to some homeless person or the water like you don't charity is not about flaunting it and Mm. You know, I'm I'm really excited to do this RRT podcast. I'm really excited to be able to dive into some of the numbers and dive into the absolute hypocrisy of what they call their charity. And hopefully it it comes crashing down. Yeah. Emily, we are very, very appreciative of you coming on and being so authentic, vulnerable, and bearing your heart and sorrow to us. Our heart goes out to us. I know you're in a much better place now, but um, I'm sure this is hard to revisit. And I really hope that out of you coming forward, some changes might be made. Um, Whether that happens now or later on, I know your story will be very impactful. Um, Mm -hmm. It'll be impactful inside the charity commissions. And I know it will be impactful for those that are watching it. So we are very grateful that you came on and shared your broken heart with us because it was well warranted. I hope we can mend it a little bit for you, babe. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I think I'm okay, actually. Like, I mean, we're now coming up to almost a year since this happened. So it's been a, a long time and, and a lot of healing. Um, I did do like an, another podcast the other day and, and from that another guy has reached out to me to say my story is exactly the same as yours I'm with you and you know oh, that's beautiful worth it because it's like he felt like oh there's someone else like me and I felt the same and you know the fact we've connected is great so even if I just helped that one person it's just exactly so yeah and that's what this is for right if every podcast helps one person right you know the domino starts going yeah oh yeah yeah cool. Uh, Much love to you. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for listening and until next time.
Much love to you all. If you are in a high-demand religious group and need help, please go to alloflief.network. To share your story or be a guest on the show, email info.getalife at proton.me. Please remember to like this video Subscribe to get a life and comment.